Good morning, my name is Melanie. If we haven't met before, I'll give you a quick um, summary of me. So uh, I'm married to Stuart. We came here five years ago, four years ago to start this church. Um, I got saved when I was 20 and have been involved in youth work for years, involved with kids in this church. I look after the event side of stuff and preach a bit and anything else really that Stuart can get me to do. Um, I'm a mummy. I have two boys. They're Levi and Asher. One is five and one is three. So I spend most of my week looking after them. I have about a day a week when I work for this local church and just give some hours into kids' youth, preaching, whatever really is needed at the time. So that's a little bit about me. Throughout this morning, hopefully you'll just get to know a little bit more about me. Uh, I've called this preach this morning one of my, one of your five a day, hence the pineapple. So one of your five a day, that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. I actually want to talk to us about being fruitful about being fruitful in our lives, and I want to suggest to us as a local church that there is an area in this local church where we can be extremely fruitful. So I am unashamedly going to talk about the young this morning. So um, you will, however, get loads out of it, even if you think to yourself, well, I don't really feel called to be a kids worker or a youth worker, or if you are alive and breathing and you love God, there is a call over your life to invest in those who are younger than you. There's a call over your life to help bring through the next generation, regardless of whether you have a specific call. The Bible's really clear that one generation will tell of his goodness to the next generation that the older women will train younger women, that older men will train younger men, that we will all in turn be family to one another and bring one another on. When it comes to diet and health, we are bombarded with information about it. And some of them are conflicting and some of them change. But there'll be things like eat more oily fish, eat meat, loads of it, don't eat meat. Uh, Drink red wine, don't drink red wine. Eat more fats, don't have any fats. Sugar is terrible, some sugar's okay. And we're bombarded with lots of information about what we should eat. Make sure you have five a day, but lately it's been, well, maybe it should be eight, maybe it should be ten. Make sure that the five is more vegetables than fruit. I literally sometimes look at the week and think, my gosh, what what are we supposed to eat? No carbs, no fat, less sugar, more... So um, we're bombarded with it, and the information changes, sometimes more as we get educated, and sometimes it just seems to kind of flip-flop backwards and forwards. So when I was pregnant, it was, don't eat nuts. The second time I was pregnant, it was, eat nuts. It it just, you know, like one one of my boys is in trouble. To be honest, I ate nuts. (laughs) Yeah. So... When it comes to God, there are messages too, but his messages are constant, and they they never change, and they're the same. They, they, They go around the Bible, so if you read your Bible, there are messages that just kind of go throughout it. One of them is... God wants a people. It's everywhere. It goes, it goes throughout the Bible. He's constantly whispering, shouting, I want a people. I want a people for myself. Over and over again, you, you read the Bible and you see this message of, we need a saviour. We need a perfect, sinless saviour. And you can see it all the way from the Old Testament right the way through to the end of the New Testament. We were singing earlier, worthy is the lamb who was slain. 
worthy. That's what they sing at the end. That's what they needed in the beginning, a lamb that was slain. There's a, there's a message that runs all the way through it. There's, on God's heart, the poor. You hear it all the way through. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the widows, the orphans. Just don't forget those who are marginalized. Don't forget those who are without. Make sure in my family, no one goes without. Make sure in the area you live, People are fed. People are looked after. Don't forget them. And be fruitful and multiply is all the way through the story. And you can read it over and over and over again. So I'm going to read a few bits from Genesis. If you want to follow along with me, you can. I'm literally going to whiz through them, though. So I dare you to keep up. So Genesis 1, 22. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. If you're new to reading your Bible, it is the beginning. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Genesis 1, 28. Then God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the land. Genesis 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Is anyone keeping up? Uh, Genesis 9, verse 7. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Genesis 35, 11, and God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. Genesis 48, verse 4, and he said to me, I will make you fruitful and I will multiply your descendants. I will make you a multitude of nations and I will give you this land of Canaan to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And just in case you think, oh, that was an Old Testament thing, they hardly had any people in the world. So God was saying, have loads of sex, make loads of babies, because actually if you don't, we're going to die out. It was a very practical thing. You'd be wrong. It's all through the New Testament as well. So we have the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, where Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples. What he's saying to his disciples is, who you are, go and make more of you. So how you love me, how you follow me, how you serve me, go and make me some more. He's saying, be fruitful and multiply. If you read the parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25, it's a story about a guy who runs a house and he says to his servants, I give you this, I give you this, I give you this. One of them buries their talent in the ground and it doesn't grow and multiply. The rest of them go out and they increase their talents and they make more. And the the owner of the house says, the ones who increased what I gave them, those are the ones that I'm pleased with. There is something on the heart of God for multiplication. Jesus talks about himself being the true vine in John 15. So he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Every branch that comes out of me should bear fruit, and it should be the kind of fruit that lasts. So basically, what God wants out of us is a group of people that that have fruit hanging off us, trailing around behind us, that, that everywhere we look, there's fruit, there's signs of life, there's signs of growth, there's signs 
that God is with us and among us. God is all about the fruit. He's not interested in being one of the five a day or ten a day or eight a day. He's interested in fruit and fruit that will last and loads of it everywhere. We're called as this church to be large, influential and reproducing. That is our modern day equivalent of be fruitful and multiply. That's what we're saying as a local church. We're saying it would not be enough for us to stay small. It would not be enough for us, as cosy and as lovely as it would be, for life to exist and continue. It has to reproduce. It has to keep growing. Otherwise, it ends here. It ends in this room. And I, when I was preparing this, I thought, I don't know of a more fruitful place than investing in the young And this is really what I want to talk to us about this morning. In this church, we have children and young people everywhere. It it wouldn't be a decent Sunday morning if you haven't tripped over one of them or had one of them spill your drink or nudge your donut into your mouth. It, It just wouldn't be a Sunday morning in real life church if there weren't signs of children they are everywhere. From, from the first meeting we had as a local church, my biggest fear coming church planting is we had one little boy called Levi. My biggest fear is that he would be the only kid for ages and he would be in a place where there were adults everywhere and he would have no friends and yeah, just no one to be around. On our first meeting, there were eight kids in the room. It was unbelievable. We went with our one kid, and there were eight kids. It was um, right from the beginning, God was saying, I've got this. But right from the beginning, in the DNA of our church, children had a major part in it, a major part in our numbers, a major part in how we do what we do, a major part in our growth. The events that we've run, the things that we've done that has involved kids have been our biggest, most attended events, most reaching out to the community. Kids are a major part of what we're about in real life church. It's like God has planted for us an orchard full of fruit trees and he basically says, are there any pickers? Have you got any baskets? Would you like any of my beautiful fruit? We, we basically haven't even had to work hard. People just keep popping out babies Families just keep arriving with more of them. And literally, families walk in and I think, oh, here we go again. They're going to stay. Of course they are, because what they see here is a place where children can flourish and thrive. And if you're a parent, that's all you want. You want for your kids a place where they can meet Jesus and flourish and thrive. You want a church that can cope with them making a bit of noise and making a bit of mess. That's all you want. Julian Adams, so he's a recognized prophet in our group of churches, but further than that, he's a recognized prophet in this nation and in the nations. He came to us last year and he spoke to us about the kind of churches, the kind of church we should be, but the kind of people we should be. Some of you got individual prophecies over you where he said, this is what you're to be like, this is what you're to do. He spoke over us as a church and said several things. This is one of them. He said, the thing that is going to mark this church is there's going to be a significant children's work and there's going to be a move of God among your children and you're to get ready for that. I see that one of the key employment issues is going to be around children's workers. 
because there's going to be holiday clubs and significant things will happen in your community that will draw parents and it will be one of the keys that will unlock this church. You will see many more saved. So you're to get ready because I'm about to open that up very significantly. It for us is a orchard full of fruit. It for us is an environment that we not only get to be involved with children's lives and young people's lives, we get to be involved in their parents and their families. It is a massive key for us as a local church. And what I want us to be considering this morning is what is my part to play? How do I serve this area that is clearly going to grow? Do I get alongside kids? Do I join a team? Do I support families? What, what do I do to play my part in this picking of a harvest field, basically? I want to tell you some stories. The reason I'm doing this is because sometimes you can look at kids' work and think to yourself, I am not good with five-year-olds. I am not good with snot. I am not good with people who just don't know how to do as they're told. Um, I am not good with the noise. I am not good, well, I'm just not good with kids. Uh, I've heard people say, I don't do kids. I just don't do kids. Uh, And I understand that. I came here for years. I've been a youth leader and I've invested in the life of teenagers over and over and over again. It has been my joy and probably one of the most favorite things I've ever done. When I came here, God said "There's there's a kid's work that needs leading. And I told Stuart, I will do whatever it takes to help us get this church off the ground And so I became the kids' leader. Not really because I had a booming voice from heaven, but because actually out in front of me were kids. And I told God that I would do whatever it takes to help make this church a reality. To be honest, I just love it. I've realized that my heart is to invest in the next generation and the young. And I don't really mind if they're 2 or 17 or anything in between. I want to tell you some stories because I think it's important to understand that these children become adults. And so I want to tell you some stories. I hope that's okay this morning. I hope you're sitting cozy and you're ready. I want to tell you about some young people who I have seen grow into men and women of God who are, in my book, outstanding. So I I want to tell you some stories. The first one is Gemma, and it's not this Gemma here. I'm going to tell you about this Gemma here in a minute. So this is another Gemma, okay? So this is Gemma. She is married to a guy called Dan, and they have three kids. He's called Joel, They have a Nate and they have a Rosie. She was part of a youth work in St. Neots and she moved for university in York and she joined a church plant there. She has since moved to a church plant in Huddersfield with Stephen Ruth Hurd. She got saved when she was 15 years old and she's been walking with Jesus now for 17 years. She writes, for starters, I'm a Christian. Yes, because God chose me and God came and found me. But he used people to come to a church in my town and people to come into my school. And that is how I came to do a youth alpha and to know Jesus. I was going through a very tough time as a teenager and may not be here today had God not reached out to me through those people in those places. My youth leaders built in me lasting stuff 
that has lasted my whole life in terms of establishing a relationship with Jesus, being firm in my faith, knowing the word of God and walking in it, knowing how to hold responsibility and care and disciple others. I set up a pregnancy crisis center in York, which I was able to do because God had called me and God had enabled me because I believe the discipleship of two women of God when I became a Christian has meant that I have grown and have a level of maturity that has helped. We came church planting five years ago, partly because someone, because God said to me, someone else did this for you, now you do it for others. In this place, we're hoping to see many of the lost saved. Uh, This guy's called Adam. So he was saved at Stonely 2000. He would have been 15 at the time and has been walking with Jesus for the last 15 years. He's married to a lovely girly called Bex and she's a teacher and she leads the youth work in uh, Open Door Church St. Neots. He works for a graphics design company and he's a customer account manager and he designs uh, for UK caravan and motorhome manufacturers and he's responsible for leading a team. In church he does design work, serves in the worship band and for years has invested in the young people of the church. He says, here are some of the differences I believe at being invested in from a young age. It helped me to develop into a man of God that looked to make good godly decisions. It helped me to discover my gifting and gave me a safe place to develop them. I was regularly exposed to situations that grew me and which even now I draw on. I had great role models that I could look up to in my teenage years and I believe wholeheartedly I'd not be where I am today without the youth leaders I had invested in me. I've got a few because I want us to understand that these kids one day become adults and I firmly believe that through parenting and investing in them, they become like these kind of people if we put effort into them, if we put time into them. So Gillian, she was saved at 13 and has been loving Jesus for 11 years. She's a mummy to a little boy called Warren and she was part of the kids work and the youth work in Open Door Church, St. Leeds. So she says, in school I was bullied a lot and I never had any proper friends until a kids club started up down the road. A couple of kids in my street went and came home raving about it and it wasn't long before the leaders, Barbara and Tony and the rest of the team were posting flyers through our door. So Saturday mornings I would get up before 10 and I would rally all the kids in my street and we would do a walking bus to the local school where the kids club was held. When I got to the higher end of kids club, I was told I could move up into the church's youth group. I told my mum and she agreed to let me go. When I went, I was instantly met with lots of lovely people who have become some of my best friends. I finally had somewhere I could go. I had friends, I wasn't bullied, and it wasn't long before I started going to church. And I gave my life to Jesus on my first church experience. Youth work and kids work was so important to me. It helped me, uh, it helped, sorry, it helped us get to know the awesome man that chooses to love us no matter what. It's great to know that I belong and I'm blessed to be part of a church family and have these people in my life. 
being in God's family shows you an immeasurable amount of love and support and kindness from those around you. And, and some of the people that really affected her life were just, they weren't kids workers or kids leaders, they were just people in the church who just befriended her, got alongside her. And this starts right from kids work all the way up to youth and even further. Esther was 11 when she got saved, and she's been walking with Jesus for 12 years. She grew up in church, has been a part of a growing kids' work and a youth work. She's engaged to be married and is now training to become a teacher. She put, I think it's really hard to think what my youth leaders didn't do for me. They taught me about God. They taught me about Jesus, how he loves me, how he has plans for me, how he's helped me to grow my gifts. And they gave me lots of opportunities to do things like leading a small group, leading worship. Uh, They taught me how important it is to tell my friends about Jesus. And they taught me how to pray, read my Bible and so on. And then Becky, she was saved when she was 13 and has been walking with Jesus for eight years. She grew up in a church and has been part of a growing kids' work and a youth work. She's married to a guy called Neil and she lives in London and is part of King's Church London. And she's put being invested in by um, youth leaders helped me loads when I was younger. I really appreciated that they let me do life with them, whether it was going to the offices to help out after school and popping into town to run some errands or helping set up youth or going to Ikea. (laughs) I was shy and I wouldn't outwardly say if I had any problems or questions, but because they gave me time, it allowed me to talk if I wanted to. This is actually how I try to model relationships with the young people. Now I'm a youth leader. And my last story I want to tell is this girly here. So this is Gemma. If you haven't met Gemma yet, Pete and Gemma are moving. They have moved. They live in Sutton Coalfield now. And they will fully move their lives here this summer. So they're they're, in, they're going backwards and forwards at the moment because Gemma's a teacher. So I'm going to read you uh, just a little bit. So Gemma was part of the youth work in Open Door Church, St. Neots. She went to university in Nottingham and was part of a church there. She did FP in the community church, Bishop Stortford. Uh, she trained to be a teacher and is now an outstanding teacher. She's been involved with young people for years, so teaching them, training them, discipling them, loving them. She's married to Pete, and they have just moved here to join us. So she wrote, having youth leaders invest in me made a big difference to all areas of my life and faith because they helped lead me to Jesus, and he changed my life. A few specific examples. It helped me to discover my gifts and gave me opportunities to use them. My youth leaders taught me how to teach, for example, on Alpha or in small groups, and now I'm a teacher, and I use what they invested in me every day with the teenagers I teach. They taught me how to read my Bible by letting me see how they spent time with Jesus. Now I just love reading my Bible, and I can help others read it, even my mum, who isn't a Christian yet. It also helped me make big decisions, like where to go to uni, because I had leaders to pray with me and support me. My youth leaders taught me to pray and to use my gifts in church, and they didn't give up on me when I thought I didn't have the confidence. These kids, the kids that we have in this place, they grow up into real-life adults. What we invest in them, what we give to them, how we 
train them, disciple them matters. And it matters for the kingdom of God and it matters to the world that they're a part of. Every time you are kind to them, every time you encourage them, every time you go out there and help out, every time you invest in the young, it pays off in later life. The thing is with the young, you don't often get to see it straight away. You spend years and years and years and years. Some of these kids that I read about, oh my gosh, the tears I have cried over them, the prayers I have prayed over them. To watch them now is incredible. But you have to go through years of watching them get it wrong and get it right and listen to what you say and ignore what you say. It's a little bit like being parents, really, investing in the young. You have to watch it play out, but it bears fruit and the kind of fruit that will last. Loads of the young people and kids that I've invested in now lead their own youth works or investing in the young themselves or involved in kids' work or involved in church plants. or They they have multiplied over and over again. I want to flag it up as an area that I think not only should be dear to us, but also we should put our energy into. A lot of you sit here thinking, but I'm a parent. It's what I do every day. And I want to applaud that and say, well done. But I want to remind you that our job doesn't end because we walk into church. We don't think, oh, phew, kids work. I can drop them off. They've been so annoying this week. Actually, our role carries on. Even when they're out there, we are still responsible for helping them grow into the men and women of God that they are supposed to become. The young in this church, we believe, are a gift to us, a priority, and a blessing. I know as a mummy that sometimes I have to say that when they are driving me insane. So sometimes I have days where I'm literally going, you are a gift, you are a gift, you are a gift. And I'm having to tell my soul that because actually my reality doesn't look like that. They don't look like the kind of present I would like sometimes. Um, They're a gift and a priority and a blessing. We will not gear our whole church around the kids because that would be wrong. We will gear our whole church around God, who we love and serve and want to honour him with our whole lives. We'll not make the worship about them, the, the, the preach about them. We'll not make them the centre of our universe. They, they don't thrive like that. They, kids who are made the centre of someone's universe don't thrive. Kids who are a part of something and on an adventure and going together thrive. So we will make them a part, but they are numerically a significant part of us. So we currently on the register have 56, naught to 14. 56. Most of them turn up most of the time. So we have a church that is heavily weighted with the young. Whenever God does something significant like that, you always have to ask him why. So if you have received a significant healing in your life, it is likely you are supposed to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. You, you always have to, when God does significant things in your life, So I was saved in my 20s. Because of that, I have seen loads of people saved in their 20s. It was a significant event in my life that that you have to look at and go, okay, God, what, what does that mean for me? 
When you have a church full of kids and young people, you have to ask God, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us as a people? We want them in this place to meet Jesus. We want them to meet him young and meet him powerfully and then walk with him. Your teenage years look incredibly different when you walk them with Jesus. What you get up to and what you get exposed to looks incredibly different if you have a powerful encounter with Jesus. The stuff you have to deal with and go through is better with Jesus, always. I, I love my salvation story. I love how God rescued me. I do sometimes wish that I got saved at five and didn't have to have the gritty story that I have. I know sometimes one of my friends will say to me, oh, I just have one of those boring kind of stories where I've always known God and I've always grown up in it. And I think, man, I would literally give my all for my boys to have a boring story like that one. Uh, that, That story for me is the story I want. I want them to meet God young and then walk with him and have such an encounter with him that they are totally changed. And they approach their teenage years going, I know God and I want to do it his way. I know my Bible and I want to make sure my life lines up with that. I I think that would be incredible in the schools around here, in our families around here, in this church here. We are about to transition our kids' work because we have far too many of them in one room and one space. And we have such an age spread. So we're about to take our kids' work from, from teams that work out there in two rooms with an age group into three lots of teams in three areas. So we're going to have a baby area out there where it currently is we're going to have the preschoolers in one of the rooms and the school age kids in the other room and the youth out there so we are going to have four areas going on with the young we're going to need people we're going to need spaces we're going to need God to do something among us it's partly why I'm talking about it this morning because I want to encourage you to consider what your part is to help us be fruitful and multiply. And I don't really want you to consider, am I a kids worker? Am I a youth leader? Am I? What I want you to consider is how will I respond to what God has put out everywhere? How will I respond to this? What will I do in worship? What will I do during the preach? What, how will I respond to what God has thrown out in front of me? Will I serve on a team? Will I lead a team? Will I give some time? Will I just say to someone, you're always out there with your babies. Why don't you let me go out and you have a listen in here? Will you think to yourself, there's a family that I could get alongside and they've got some lovely kids that I could just get to know. I could just befriend. And I've seen people do this. So I've seen people in this church just... As grown-ups, just get alongside people and love them. I've seen people do it with our kids. I've seen people do it with other people's kids. I thought the other day I, I noticed Haley just chatting with one of the young people and just, just really having a great conversation with them. And I just thought those kind of things really matter. They make you feel when you're young like you're not invisible and that they make you feel like... Your parents have to love you. You're like, well, my parents have to love me. But when other people invest in you and other people give you time, you think, oh, maybe I do fit here. 
And sometimes someone outside of your parents can tell you things that your parents have told you till they're blue in the face, but someone else says it once and you go, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great, I should do that. You know, as parents, you're like, what? But sometimes you hear stuff better from someone who's not your mum or your dad, which is why we believe wholeheartedly and invest in in the... Because they hear stuff differently. I would say as well, like we all need to consider living lives that are worth looking at, that the young people, that the kids can look at us and go, wow, they really worship. When they talk about God, they really know him. When they pray, when they're, when, when, they're, when they're getting involved with stuff, when they're loving, when they're opening up their hope, they really are the real deal. Kids sniff that out quicker than anybody. If you are not authentic, if you are not real, kids know that. Within, they, they tell it as they see it, kids. So if you say one thing and do something else, that they'll call you on it. They'll say, what about this? So our lives start to matter. To be fruitful and to multiply in this place, I think, means all of us considering what our role is with the young. I've got to be honest, any church, so if you're listening to this online, any church you're a part of, to be fruitful and multiply means that we need to consider what our role is amongst the young. As all of us get older, the, 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 the people below us get more, don't they? There's more of them all the time coming through. We were looking at the kids' work and saying, these are our current numbers, but there's loads more waiting on the wings. So our messy Easter event had 112 kids at it, even if 56 of them were ours, which we didn't have all 56. There were over half who were not part of our local church, who are not part of families that are part of local churches, over half. So if you imagine in the next few years, we are going to see more and more children and young people coming to be amongst us. We all the time have to be questioning, how do we take care of them? How do we help them grow? How do we help them love Jesus? We all the time have to be saying to God, You have shown us the fruit. Now give us the workers to go out into that orchard and pick for us. Who's got baskets? Who's got hands? Who's got hearts? Who's able and ready to go, okay, I see a tree full of apples. I'll have them. Or, you know, pineapples everywhere. I'll be having myself one of these. Who will be those who will go? At the prayer meeting on Wednesday, someone read out, um, Jack's read out actually, from Isaiah when Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. When Isaiah gets to this place, he's like, woe to me, I'm ruined because I've seen Jesus. My eyes have seen the king. I'm, I'm ruined. And then his next response is, clean me up and send me out. Like, take that coal, burn it on my lips, make me pure, and then get me out of here so that I can tell everybody about what I've seen, so that I can be fruitful and multiply. The question I want to ask you this morning, Real Life Church, is what is your response to Jesus? What is your response to what he's doing in this place? Your eyes have seen the king. How will you then turn around? How will you then approach what it is he gives to us? How will you look at the harvest field that is plenty and ripe and ready? How will you look at 
the Adams and the Gemmas and the, you, like you could have your own stories of a multitude of people that will one day stand before the throne of God saying, Hosanna, saying worthy. Like I love the thought that when I get there, I will be able to look around and see real life fruit standing there. See real life people who are are just like me, just loving Jesus and honoring him and knowing in my heart of hearts that because God asked us to come here and plant this church, that is partly why they stand there. What a joy it will be to see our saviour, but what a joy it will be to look round at the multitude and understand that many got there because someone else grabbed their hand and said, you come with me. Someone grabbed mine and said, you come with me. I, I, I now grab as many as I can and say, come with me. And some of them are tiny. Some of them are little hands that you just want to grab hold of and say, you come with me. My Levi was asking me the other day, what do I need to do to be a friend of Jesus? So we were talking about it. I think, come on, God. Save him when he's five. Save him at Catalyst. Like, just save him. And let him be a friend who then is in the great multitude. So I don't know whether you're a kids worker, a youth worker. I don't know whether you would consider yourself good with the young. What I'd like you to do is consider what your part is. In a place that is full of them. In an orchard that is so laden with fruit, it's insane. So worship team, do you want to come and join us? Say, join us. I'm not going to be doing anything. I'm literally going to hand over. (laughs) Oh, do you have a guitarist? Okay. He's in kids. What a good man. Okay, Real Life Church, let's stand. Let's meet Jesus. Let's consider what it means for us to be fruitful and multiply.